Good morning, church. <clears throat> All right, today's uh, scripture reading is from Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, we don't have a sermon bumper today, but we are glad and thankful that we get to worship together still. Um, thank you, Paul, for reading. I noticed you wore jeans today, uh, maybe for the scripture reading. And so <laughs> thank you for, for dressing up. <laughs> well, we're taking a break from Luke's sermon series while Rich is out on paternity leave. He's going to be out through um, until July where he will return. And so it's been good to hear um, different guest preachers that have come and shared the gospel with us. Uh, but today you guys are stuck with me. And so thank you for having me. Um, as always, it's an honor and privilege to be up here to be able to preach from the word of God uh, for us. And it's truly humbling. And so I'm very thankful to be here with you guys, worshiping with you and um, learning and being moved by God. And so today I'm preaching a one-off sermon about community. Um, I've preached about com a community uh, several times in the past, and um, I love talking about community. It is something that um, I really want and long for, even for myself personally. And as we read about this early church community in the book of Acts, right, I want it so much for everybody here. I want it so much for all our churches and anybody who um, looks towards the church I would like to believe that this Acts community is possible with much prayer and much intentionality, right? Don't you want to be a part of this community that is so passionate about Jesus and the kingdom where together we fight for it, right? Where um, we are completely united even amongst all our differences, where we can love each other, we can support each other in a way that resembles a family more than just passing acquaintances on a Sunday morning. So three points for us this morning. A longing for community, a new community, a perfected community. Our first point. So before we dive into our actual text, I want us to uh, first uh, point to and highlight what I believe that we all want. All of us need this thing, and it is community. Uh, let me use our risen community here as an example. The thing that I hear often about a church is, how welcoming our community can be, and how many of you have joined Risen and uh, felt like you belonged uh, pretty soon after you came. You know, and within our church, we have a wide variety of personalities. Like we have um, the loud extroverts that love to have big group socials uh, with everybody, they want as many people as possible, down to the people that are very quiet introverts that like to keep to themselves mostly, like more of the one-on-one -on -one time people. For me personally, on the spectrum of personalities, I can be pretty social, but I'm definitely an introvert by nature, right? I like to go eat at restaurants by myself. I like to go to the theaters and watch movies by myself. I like to drive by myself and take solo trips 
just to be in my own head, right? And so I definitely lean more introverted, but still I feel very confident in saying that everybody here, everybody here needs a community of people in your life, right? Sure, we might interact differently and... Um, uh, oh, that's Siri. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Siri uh, <laughs> hears everything. Um, so we might act differently with different people, but we need a connection. We need belonging to others. That's how we are wired. Even the biggest introvert and the non-people person needs others, right? We know this from scientific research. We know this from surveys. We know this from our own personal experience. Abraham Maslow, he was an American psychologist in the 1900s. He's most famous for developing Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and which is this theory that explains that each person's most primal and basic needs for survival and flourishing is this right here. Right? So there's this, diagram, this uh, triangle where uh, the most basic level is physiological needs, right? Food, water, air. These are things that we need to physically live and survive. Then comes the need to feel safe, protection, shelter, security, health. Then comes the need for love and belonging, family, friends, a community. Then there's the need for self-esteem and then self-actualization, right? Finding purpose, meaning in life, uh, making, having accomplishments in life. Maslow says the third level of need, the needs for safety, belonging, love relations, and for respect can be satisfied only by other people, only from outside the person, right? That sounds super obvious because it is, right? We need each other to love. We need each other to be loved. And so we have to ask, if we all long for community, if we all need it, why is it so hard to find? Why is it so hard to build? You see, Risen, the tension for us as Americans and especially us uh, younger generations is that we are so steeped in this idea of individualism and autonomy and self-love and self-respect. And there's no problem with caring for yourself, having positive self-esteem as measures of right? There's nothing wrong with that. But it is very possible to love yourself too much. It's very possible that you can easily become self-absorbed, selfish, centered, unwilling to sacrifice. We all know people who are spoiled in this sort of way where they like to be served and catered to more than sacrificing and giving and loving. You know, I think many of us, we've been swayed to some degree by our American culture to uphold these strong values of autonomy. I'm told that this isn't working properly, so let me switch. Okay, is that better? Sorry, I know it's troubles with our mics these past couple weeks. Thanks. Um, uh, you know, so for, for us as um, Americans, we're so steeped in this culture, right, of just thinking about ourselves, wanting to do things on our own, um, building our own community of ourself. But at the same time, right, we inherently long for a community of people to belong to. And so this is the tension this is the struggle that we face in our culture. In an interview with Tim Keller, the former pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian, it's a big church in New York, thousands of members, he was asked about community life, and he says this. On the one hand, I've never seen a generation more interested in community 
more desirous of it. As soon as I do a series of talks or sermons on community, everybody's there. If you put community into any headline, everybody thinks that's great. There's a real understanding that communities and relationships are important. On the other hand, the younger generation, mainly the millennial generation, uh, doesn't want to make the sacrifices that enable community to happen, which means you have to limit your options. You can't just travel everywhere. You can't just move every two years. You can't just live any way you want. So many of the commitments and the sacrifices you've got to make in order to be a part of a community and the curtailments of the freedom that goes with that, young people don't want. So they want community, yet they're not willing to pay the price. Right? This is the tension that is messing with us as long as we search for community and, and belonging, right? So on the one hand, we want this community. On the other hand, we just want it to be served to us. We don't want to put in the work that is necessary to create it. Right? There's no shortcut to building community. Right? It takes time and effort of everybody. Everybody. That's the crux of the problem. My prayer for all of us is that we look at this early church community in the book of Acts and that we will be drawn to its uniqueness. We will be drawn to the beauty of Jesus and the kingdom so much that we want to be a part of it, that we're willing to sacrifice for it. We want to truly long for this type of community, passionately pursue it and pray for it, whether it's here at Risen, whether it's another church, whether it's wherever you are in the world. This is something that we need to fight for. So I want us to be able to see how much better this community can be than any other community that we are a part of, any affinity group, right? Your CrossFit gym, your scrapbooking club, your school or work community. There's so much more beauty that can be had here. I want us to see what a tiny slice of this can look like here, even among imperfect people. So let's take a look at this new community. Let's take a look at what this looks like in our second point. So jumping into our sermon passage this morning, finally, we read about this unique community that is radical in its close-knit fellowship, its close-knit unity. It's radical in its generosity towards each other within the community, right? To give a bit of context of our passage in Acts, Jesus, he'd just been crucified, he'd just been resurrected, and for 40 days, he lived on earth among the people in his resurrected body. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. After 40 days, he physically, he bodily arose and ascended into heaven. And so soon after his ascension, the Holy Spirit descends. It descends on the people of God, is given to the followers of Jesus. And this empowered them to supernaturally preach about the goodness of Jesus and the kingdom for all people. And so this newly found church hears about Jesus, hears about his forgiveness of sins and his powerful resurrection, and it begins to grow. It begins to form and shape into this new, unique, and beautiful community. There are two things here to point out. So these are the subpoints. This first subpoint is that the community is grounded in the teaching of the gospel. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Right? The followers of Jesus did. They're just listening, hearing the preaching, hearing them teach. And these apostles, they taught the gospel. It was about the love of Jesus for us, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. You see, in every single community is based off of something. Right? You have Warriors fans. You have this community of diehard fans. You have Niners fans. You have A's fans. If you go on meetup.com, you can find any sort of a club or community with similar like interests, cooking meetups, 
writing clubs, dog clubs, or one that's on the front page right now, fabulous, fabulous females seeking friends over 50 for events, right? Very specific. There's 190 members in that club, right? Even within our church, there's a hiking group, there's a basketball group, there's a Bible study, there's a book club. There's a community for almost every single similar interest that you can think of. And this early church in Acts, it gathered around what? Around Jesus and the kingdom of God. At Risen, we carry the same tradition. The foundation of everything we do is based off of the teachings of the Bible. We are devoted to this because we believe that this is the very words of God to teach us, to guide us, to show us what the good news of Jesus' love is and the salvation that he has for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says this, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. You see, the Christian church is this very unique community with a very unique message unlike any other. And this powerful gospel, this is what drives us to become radical in our generosity, radical in our fellowship and our unity. Our second sub-point is this. Within this new community, there is a radical unity and generosity. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, like we just read, and the, fel and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Two chapters later in Acts 4, this unity and this generosity is reemphasized. Verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed, they were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Right? This is such a radical community. This language of not having a needy person among them in Acts 4.34, it echoes the Old Testament community where in Deuteronomy 15, there was a rule given to God's people where if you lent money to somebody, if after seven years it hasn't been paid back, you're supposed to forgive the entirety of that debt, right? That's very radical, right? If a friend were to borrow $100,000 from you to start a small business, he said, I'll pay it back for you, to you in five years. Within a year or two, the business folds, he can't pay you back. You'd have to forgive the entirety of that debt. And the reason for this, for this rule was this. Deuteronomy 15.4 tells us, but there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you. The Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. The idea of forgiving another's debt reflected a community that could bless each other radically because they themselves know how abundantly they've been given things by God, how abundantly God had provided for them and blessed them. Right, this debt forgiveness pointed forward to an even greater forgiveness a spiritual forgiveness of sins that God gave to his people through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so now in Acts, the author of Luke, sorry, the author of Acts, which is Luke, he picks up on this 
And he makes the claim that this early Christian church that has become this new and true community that God has always intended for his people to be. A people of radical unity. A people of radical forgiveness and generosity because they know that what Jesus has done for them. Right? We have been forgiven so much by Jesus so we can forgive others. We have been given an entire kingdom for all eternity so now we can give much to others. This new communion acts, it went beyond just forgiving debt. It says that everything they owned was not just theirs, but it belonged to each other. Right? We see them caring for the needy within the community of faith by selling their stuff, offering it up, all for the sake of taking care of each other. There was a genuine care, a tangible care to love and care for those within the community. Uh, when Lauren and I, we first got married, uh, we didn't have much at all, maybe a few thousand dollars in the bank. You know, I was making $11.50 uh, $11 an hour on the ambulance, and Lauren was a flight instructor and a pilot, and surprisingly, she was making less money than I was, mainly because of she didn't have the hours uh, to, to work, right? They didn't give her enough hours. Uh, but during that time, both our parents helped us out a lot by um, paying for our wedding. And when we got married, we had these wedding gifts, mostly in the form of money, and that was a huge booster for us, right? Friends and families that didn't know, all know each other, they came together, they filled that day with laughing and crying and dancing and breaking bread together, and man, it was a very special community on that day for Lauren and I, and I'm not much of a wedding person because I hate formalities, I don't like titles, I, don't, I just don't like formalities in general, that's just me, um, but it was a good day. There was such unity and fellowship and love. Right? It was so encouraging to see all the cards that were written to us, the generosity of all these people that loved us. But there was this one person, sorry, it's popped up in my head. There's this one person that gave us this, um, this uh, secondhand re-gifted picture frame <laughs> from the 90s. And I'm pretty sure she was just there for the, uh, for the food. Um, I'm not sure if she loved us, but that's okay. <laughs> for everybody else, they didn't have to give us anything, right? It wouldn't change how we felt loved by them anyway, but they still did it, right? They wanted to love us in this tangible way by helping us out financially. And man, it was very helpful for us at that time. Right? I see this community in Acts. I see people who love and pour into this early church community. Man, they sacrificed so much for each other, to lift each other up, to support each other. They sold all their stuff. They gave of each other to those who were in need. Right? And this wasn't done in a coercive or guilt-ridden manner either. There was no mandate to give like this to each other. There were no formalities for generosity. They did this willingly and voluntarily. This was done out of a heart of love, out of sacrifice, and out of sincerity because they understood how much Jesus had given to them. So now they were truly free to give to any as they had need. So this new community is founded on the, on the gospel of Jesus and his forgiveness, and this created a radically generous and united community. And maybe many of us have been a part of uh, several churches um, in the past, but how many of us can say that we truly experience this sort of community that we just talked about? Does this sort of church exist here in this fast-paced, workaholic Bay Area where the culture values individualism and autonomy? 
right? It's rare to see this type of communal, sacrificial church community to this level. And this isn't to, to, to discount anything that any of you have done here. I see you guys pouring in and giving and serving and sacrificing. But as a whole, can we do it even better? Can we do it even more? Sometimes we might see spurts of this in various churches. We might see this to varying degrees. But mostly, all our churches could use improvement in this area. We need to help each other. Do we have this community here at Risen? What can we do to grow in this? Let me give some very practical examples and tips. Whether you're here from the, you've been here since the beginning, or whether you're here just for a season, here's what we can do. Number one, meditate on the love of Jesus. It's very simple, right? Simple but hard. Do your devotionals, hear from God every day, every other day if you're that busy. Learn to fall in love with Jesus. Number two, pray that God would fill your heart with an overflow of joy and thankfulness for him giving you his love, for him giving you the riches of his eternal kingdom. I pray for your heart. And lastly, number three, very practical. Find one person or a couple every Sunday and ask them to grab coffee during the week. Set a time and date. Don't wait for people to come to you. Go to them. Ask them out. Invite them over to your home. And when you meet up, share life together. Man, share your stories together. Share your faith together. Get to know your brother and sister in this community and ask, ask how you can pray for them, how you can support them. I do this every week. If you're busy, do it every other week with somebody new. That's it. The more you do this, the more you will have a heart for your community. The more you will understand the needs of the people in your community. The more you will pray for each other. Man, the more you will cry for each other. The more you will give generously of your time and energy and resources and heart to each other. You'll share your burdens together. You'll point each other to Jesus. There's no shortcut to a thriving community. We all need to do this for each other. Imagine being in a community where everybody did this, where everybody is radically generous, radically unified, wanting to fellowship in this gospel community. You'll see that in many ways, it's like a family. A family that loves you and supports you, wants the best for you, and you want the best for your family. Can our church learn to be like this for each other and for all to come? Risen, wherever God calls you, whether it's here at Risen, another church, uh, whether you're a missionary overseas, whether you have a job in another country, wherever you are, be a part of giving to your community. Right? Be radically generous. Pray for your community. Pray that God would breathe life into its people. This brings us to our last point, a perfected community. In our passage, we are shown this vibrant and flourishing community. But of course, this doesn't mean that there wasn't drama, there wasn't uh, disagreements and conflict in the early church. The Bible soberly addresses that there were divisions and infighting in various churches in the New Testament, right? So it was far from perfect. For us today, if you've been part of a church long enough and experienced it long enough, you will understand the reality of broken people full of sin and flaws just like yourself. 
you'll experience the brokenness of a church community just like you would anywhere else. I've had the privilege uh, to work alongside several of you leaders and members in different ministries and even different churches. Um, and we've seen each other's flaws and shortcomings, our, each other's strengths and weaknesses. You know, sometimes we'll have disagreements on how to do this or that, and it can be very tiring and frustrating sometimes. There's a lot of success and excitement when it comes to doing church together. There's also a lot of heartache, a lot of uh, difficulties and differences and setbacks. This is very common in any close-knit community because we are all different people. We all have different baggage. We all have different backgrounds, different values and gifts. Even spouses or siblings fight all the time at home. It's no different anywhere else. But the key here is this, is that we are of one heart and soul grounded in Jesus. Let's look again at Acts 4, 32 and 33. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And skipping down, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You see, Risen, what makes the Christian community different than all other communities is that its hope is in something greater than just the people that it's comprised of. Right? The distinctiveness of this new Christian community is that its hope is not in its people to make it awesome. It's in Christ. It's in Jesus. The message of our church is not look at how awesome we are. Look at how humble the leaders are and how great the preaching is. Look at all the thriving ministries. Look at our numbers. We're growing. That is not our hope. The hope should always, always be look at how great Jesus is. Whether you're in a small, scrappy church with five people, whether in a well-polished, giant megachurch, the hope is Jesus. Mark Dever says, church community is the shadow. It's not the substance. We must remember that community isn't the point. The point, the substance, is God. The reason why Jesus is the foundation of everything we do is because even though we all long for community and belonging and all its idealistic characteristics, the people in any community will inevitably let you down. The church is not immune to this. Right? We shouldn't even pretend that the church does this any better. Right? We're all terrible. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Church won't live up to its hype. It'll hurt you. It'll fail you often. You will hurt and fail the church often. At times, instead of being radically generous and sacrificial like the early church, we might see self-centered, self-absorbed leaders and members. Instead of being built up and cared for, we can sometimes feel used, unseen, unheard, put down, and attacked. You see, the story of the Bible is this. Over and over again, God's people fail to live up to the standards of God. Over and over again, they fail each other within community. But there is one who has never let us down. There is one who will never let us down. There is one who has shown us what true generosity, sacrifice, and fellowship actually looks like. And it is our Savior. It is our Redeemer. It is Jesus. He is the one who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped in Philippians, but he emptied himself 
by taking form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Risen, we could never satisfy the needs of each other, but what we do is we point everybody to the one who can. And Jesus shows us how far he will go to love us, how far he will go to perfect us, to satisfy us. He will go so far to lay down his life to bring us into this perfect kingdom where we can feel a true sense of belonging. So we will fail each other often. We will stumble along the way. Our church is going to be look pretty clunky at times, but we'll always point each other to Christ. This is the new community that is beautifully broken now, but man, one day it's going to be perfected. And this is our hope. Ephesians 5 says this, Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus sees the mess and he leans in still. He loves the church more than we will ever love the church. He died for it, to perfect it. Church, he loves you more than you love yourself. And so if you're afraid to be a part of this community because you don't feel like you're going to belong, you don't feel like you fit in, you don't feel like you're good enough, you're in good company because I feel like this all the time. But through Jesus, we already belong. So wherever you are, lean in. Author Aaron Lane says that perfectly about church community. The gift of belonging is already ours. The question is not, can we belong? The question is, will we belong? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are amazed, truly amazed, that you would call a broken people, unworthy people to yourself, that you would gather us, in all our differences, in all our brokenness and in all our sin, you call us into a community that is beautifully broken. And Father, we know that we cannot make this community beautiful on our own. It is only through your power that we can do this. It is only by your radical generosity and love and sacrifice poured into us we can now pour into others. Forgive us. Forgive our churches for not loving and supporting those that need it. Convict each of us to look in our own hearts, not to those of others to fix things, but to us. We pray for things, not for others to do things, but so that we would be changed, so that we can act, so that we can be moved more and more by your love. God, thank you for the gospel, this gospel that you serve us first, you pursue us first, you love us first. Remind us of that daily, every hour. May that turn our hearts to worship, to praise, to love you, and to serve others. In Christ's name, amen.